on that note, I believe we've got a couple of voice notes, but we've also got DJ Crelia in studio. Uh, DJ, good evening, firstly, and thank you very much for being able to come to studio and speak to us on SAFM tonight. What's up, Tabiso? It's great to be here. I'm very happy to be here again with you in studio, back in SA, back yeah. home. You know, um, yeah. It's, everything it's, it's, is good. Yeah, everything's good. It's just great to be here. We were just talking Canelo Bivol now. Did the result surprise you? Um, yes, because I did think Canelo was going to win, but like I told you before, you know, I don't, I've never seen Bivol really fight, mm. um, but I did expect it to be a hard fight and it could go either way, no doubt, because of that weight division. It's mm. a, it's a big weight division. You got a big man in front of you, a guy who can really, really fight too. Um, so, you know, it's not, it wasn't unexpected. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, what do you make of Canelo, the fact that he just uh, jumps up the weight divisions and he wants to fight everybody? Okay, so we were saying earlier, I don't think it's good. I don't want someone to lose because it's not good for their career. But I think mm-hmm. it was good for boxing mm-hmm. that Canelo lost because you've got this man who seems to be untouchable. Yeah. It makes boxing look bad. He's moving up in divisions, beating everybody, mm-hmm. everybody in front of him. So it makes boxing look a little bit bad that we've really got no one in this era so, you know, it's a knockback on his career. It's good for boxing a little bit. It's definitely good for Bavol. Um, but let's see what Canelo does, you know, further down the line. It's going to be interesting. I asked our guest, I don't know as a boxer, how would you feel about this? Because um, Bivol was the champion, but Canelo walked out first. I mean, he walked out first and Canelo walked out last. As a boxer, how do you feel about that if you're the champion? Does it matter? Very disrespectful. Uh, uh, that is not what, how that's boxing what I is supposed to work. That's not how boxing works. But, you know, this is what uh, the sport has become, unfortunately. It's all about the show and the entertainment, you know. But there's nothing we can do about it, you know. It's about the money. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I also thought. Okay, we've got a couple of voice notes already. Uh, DJ Creel is with us in studio now. We're going to get the conversation underway about his time in the U.S., why he came back to South Africa, his fight against Alvarado, some future plans for him, and um, fighting in Mexico, and that fight against Lekona. Was it Lekona? Yes, Lekona, Carlos Lekona. Carlos Lekona, 12th round uh, knockout. 12th round knockout. We're going to talk about that, but let's play (laughs) the voice notes first. Uh, Good evening, member. Lipita speaking. Uh, I think <laughs> I also watched the fight, but I think Canelo, he beat more than he can chew. As for Bitvol, I was very much impressed with his uh, discipline, especially if you if you were to go in an in a area where, where no one gave you a chance. You were booed left, right and center. I, I can't wait for the rematch. It was indeed a, a very good fight. Yeah, thank you, member. Uh, good evening, Tabiso and your listeners and uh, the champion Apo Kila Apo Tamgwako Islander. Uh, the weekend pele Tabiso you are among the Bemashara Kulungo Kila Mungle fight ka Kapivo no canon. I think we some scorecard is unofficial who people bend in Nigeza at least in the, the four points you won the one one six one one twelve. And then I because going to keep it for its Hey, DJ. It's good to see you back, and I haven't got time, and to train with you um i want to say welcome back man and uh um i was so 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 happy man to see on those stages in the us and 
make ourselves proud and uh, it was great atmosphere always watching you man follow you brother keep up the good work you know man always supporting you man and thank you for everything you've done man since you started boxing i've been with you all the time my brother you've been helping me at the health box gym anytime you get a chance you will tell me what you need to do um you'll tell me how to move and all these things man you will stop and show me you know so thanks for everything brother i wish you all the best man and uh, whatever you're gonna do now your upcoming fights i wish you all the best and you can back go back to the big stages in america and in coach colin as well thank you so much uh coach and you're always helpful and you're always um friendly to any boxer that comes to the hot box gym and thank you for everything guys and uh yeah Pamuza. see you soon brother have a good evening it's good to see you back in south africa take care mate hola, hola amigo okay thanks for that I think we've got an idea who that is, eh? Of course, that's one of my very good friends. His name is Gift. He is a, he is probably the nicest guy yeah. I've met in boxing, and he's a good fighter, man. I really like him a lot. He's a good guy. I really, you know, we've uh, I met him a few years ago in the hot box gym, mm. and uh, yeah, he's one guy that I've always got along with, and he's just an amazing friend, man. Okay, wonderful. Gift Bolo, thanks for getting in touch. I know you always listen to the show. And I saw you were <laughs> also there in Boisins uh, for that fight there between Mkotil and Prince Ujlom. I'm sure you had some interest there um, in that boxing. By the way, I agree with that with a caller that said that 115113 was too gen. Well, the fight was not even that close. I did 117111. Some people added 118110 in favor of Bivol. That's how impressive he was. But right now, we're going to talk to DJ Krill. Keep those voice notes coming in 061-4104-107 or call us on 011-714-2006. How are things going, uh, DJ Firstly, Is everything great on your side? You happy to be back like you said? Everything's great, you know. Um, I'm happy to be back, especially for my family, you know, yeah. spending time with them. I just had a be beautiful baby boy mm. that was born recently. Mm. His name's Caleb. Um, and, you know, it's good to be back with family and, you know, that family support. You know, in the U.S. it was great. I loved it. I really, really loved the U.S., especially the U.S. boxing. Um, but it's, it's good to be back here with family and stuff and get my boxing career back on because, you know, obviously... Um, I wasn't fighting as much as I needed to in the U.S. Yeah, I remember when we spoke to you in the U.S., you were talking about the sacrifices you've made, having to go overseas and how you've missed your family. Is Caleb named after Caleb Plant by any chance? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> His name actually comes from the Bible. No, I didn't name him after Caleb Plant. <laughs> okay, good. good. But, but how do you look back at your, at your four years in America? Did it, did it turn out the way you'd hoped? Um, it didn't turn out the way I hoped, but I definitely can take... There's pros and there's cons to while I was there, you know. Um, I can never take back my experience. If I never went, I would have... Uh, uh, who knows? I maybe wouldn't have become a world champion. That was my goal since I was a young kid, you know. So um, I take nothing back. The experience I gained over there for my future, for boxing, for uh, my experience in the sport... I cannot, cannot take back. So, like I say, you know, I don't regret anything. Um, I just wish I had more fights, you know. Mm. that That's the only thing. I just wish I had more fights and more opportunities. And why did you make the move in the first place? Uh, to the U.S. Yeah. Because I believed there was better things for me over there. And go and learn more, you know. Um, go and see what they have to give to my boxing career. I got uh, set up over there with my former trainer, 
when I just turned professional, his name's Rupert van Aswegen. Mm-hmm. He sent me, he, he told me that I need to go to Kenny Adams. He's going to teach me a lot and it's really going to do good for my career. And that was when I started to uh, like maneuver my career and uh, start making my way to the US. And I did. I ended up going. I had good support. Um, I had very good uh, people behind me and they were able to sponsor me to go over there and supported me and stuff. And you mentioned then working with the legend like Kenny Adams, the former head of that USA Olympic team, who's worked with some big names in, in the sport. How was that experience for you? Totally amazing, man. Like it was, it, it was another level of boxing. Mm. You cannot compare. The level of boxing is just, it, it's breathtaking. It's really, when I got there and I started learning the things I did, I was like, I've never been taught this in my life, you know. And Kenny, Kenny really showed me a different look of boxing and you know while i further went on in the u.s i just learned so much and what's so different you know what you know what the the main thing i found in the u.s where they fixed my boxing was Mm -hmm. my basic fundamentals the Mm -hmm. basic fundamentals of boxing already made the rest of my boxing better because i learned a lot and it was just off of my um instincts and my athleticism and stuff so everything just went off of that but they they brought an understanding where I've never I've never they've never articulated to me yeah in South Africa in the way they did in America teaching me the way they did making me understand mm. why when and how we do these things in boxing and I'd learned those things over there and you know in America you learn <laughs> also to become a dog you yeah. you in another place with a bunch of fighters from all over the world wanting to take your head off, you become a dog yourself. Everybody's got a dream. Exactly. And especially if you've never had that before, they bring out that aggression in you and, you know, bring that dog out. How seriously do they take their training? Oh, no, it's it's a different level. Listen, don't get me wrong. We train very hard here in South Africa, but there's a difference with training hard and training smart. (laughs) so uh, and it's really like that but the thing is we train very hard in South Africa Um, I wouldn't say that we train any less Mm. than the Americans it's just that they bring a different understanding to the game and in America, I guess the boxers are also able to focus on the boxing uh, fully because some here, in, here at home, some of the guys are working. They've got other jobs. 100%. We were talking about that actually yesterday at the gym. <laughs> we had a big conversation about that. You know, you go there, you see these guys. They have a whole team every single day in the gym, the best mm. fighters. they got the cameramen. they got their um, trainers. They've got a trainer for their physio. They've got a trainer. Everyone's <laughs> in the gym. They've got mm. a whole team, and that is all they do all day, every day. Mm. They do not have another job. It's just boxing all day, every day. So how strict is Kenny? Because folklore has it, or I once read somewhere, that he's so strict that Floyd Mayweather didn't want to work with him. <laughs> no, he's very strict. <laughs> that story that story I heard is very true. Is it? Apparently, yes, really? apparently. Okay. Like Floyd went to the gym. He asked Kenny uh, to help him out a little bit and stuff. And then there was an argument about him. He must come out to Floyd and he must come and do this and Kenny says I don't go nowhere you come yeah and you do what I say and he didn't like that he wanted to run the show so Uh you know that's the way Kenny runs it's Kenny's way or the highway okay so it's a true story we've been (laughs) able to confirm it then and who are some of the guys that were there when when you were there uh in who do you mean with Kenny like in the gym um training with me uh like in my team I trained with fighters listen my my number one fighter that I would say 
the best experience and the most successful was Nonito Donaire. Oh, yeah, I yeah, trained yes, with yes, Nonito. Of course we know him very yes, well. Yeah. Uh, I was in I was in camps with him. I trained nice. with him. He was one of my training partners. I trained with another guy, Mark Maxayo. Yeah. Um, I trained with Terval Pulev. I trained with uh, Asim Rahman Jr. Oh yeah, they yes, were yes. like my team that were with Kenny. Mm. Um, we had a whole, a whole bunch of other fighters. Keith Hunter, Michael Hunter trained with Bones. So we had countless good names. Um, but I would say when I was with Kenny, there was uh, BJ Flores. You know, that was also yeah. one of them. Those were the few guys that were with us in our team. Oh, yeah. Is BJ Flores the one that's been tipped to fight um, Sive? Uh, no, no. BJ oh. Flores is oh, Blue uh, is the big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. The big guy. He's a Jake Paul. Jake Paul's trainer. Yes, yes, yes. He's the big guy. Yeah, that's yeah. the other Flores I'm thinking about. And then you saying that you had some support. What kind of support did you have then, being in a foreign country and coming from South Africa? Oh, you know, I was very lucky. Um, I've always had very good networking over here and uh, getting opportunities, especially with sponsors, um, which I believe you know I wish for other guys in this country to get that guys could get sponsorships and, and do different things like making a trip to the U.S., learn some different things. Um, that's what I'm very, uh, I'm very grateful for this. And I was, I'm not going to say I, I'm, I was lucky mm. because I worked for it, you know. Um, but I've got good sponsors and good support. Like people, uh, one of the people who sponsored me, Emmy D. Attorneys. Oh, okay. Uh, Kahiso Makoduo and Ryan Erasmus. Mm -hmm. they, they sponsored me to go over there. They paid for everything. Um, spent a lot of money on me, man. For a whole year and a half, they supported me until COVID happened. Um, so, you know, I had, I, I've had good support in my life and my career. And why do you think you didn't fight as, as much as you would have liked? You know what? It's a, it's a weight division problem. Um, I would say it's a weight division problem and, and it's backing. Um, if, I had, if I had the support, especially from my country, the views and everything. I think I would have fought more because remember, the more views you get, mm -hmm. the more sales, they put you on. Mm. Um, I can't always say it's because of the weight division because you had uh, Chiquito Gonzalez and uh, Marco Cobo mm. making a million dollars and they were fighting often. So it's not it's not really about weight. It's about um, what we can do. Uh, we need to brand ourselves and our branding as smaller guys is not as good. We know we need to start picking it up more. Yeah, and and who's who's responsible for that then? Do you need ourselves, hundred percent. It it's, it's it's ourselves, but I think also promoters should have a look at us uh, smaller guys a little bit more. You know, while I was there in the US, I had big guys literally talking to promoters. I'm talking like big mm. boxing personalities that were speaking to promoters for me because they liked me. They wanted me on shows. These guys just say, "Sorry, we we can't put him on. The networks don't want it." because of his weight division they don't want anyone like under 115 pounds or whatever nothing like that so it was it was very hard but i believe if you've got the backing and you've got the support and the good marketing and stuff it can happen for you i mean you all know i, I fought uh, felix alvarado yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you can't Big tell fight. me people Big don't want to see that yeah. this guy was tremendous he yeah. knocked me down twice he can punch yeah. he it People want to see that kind of stuff. When I fought Carlos Lacona, yeah. that was like a Rocky movie. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you know, back and forth action and knocked one, yeah. him out in the 12th round. It was just insane. You know, how would people, that's entertainment. So we just don't get our shot as small guys.
I believe. And on that note, then let's look back at some of those fights. Then those three fights you had overseas. Carlos Licona, um, you just mentioned you were on the back foot there, from what I remember, and you needed a knockout. You got it with less than a minute left in that round. Did they tell you to go for it? Yes. No. So we were down on the scorecards. Two judges had it to Carlos Licona. One judge had it to me. Um, I think I was hitting more punches. I had more volume, but he was catching me with cleaner shots. So it's mm. how a judge would look at it. But I was down, obviously. And, um, you know, in the 10th round, Kenny already started telling me we need to knock this guy out. We are in his backyard. <laughs> we are in his backyard. You're not going to get this win. And I just started picking it up from the 10th round. Honestly, that whole fight, I think I was stage fright. Because mm. there's a lot of things I can't remember about the fight. Even uh. from the first round, Kenny was explaining. I, I can't remember what Kenny even told me in the corner. The lo- that's what I'm saying. The only thing I remember was him telling me we need to knock this guy out, otherwise we're going to lose the fight. Good thing you remembered that. At least. Was it because all. of the stage, because it was a title fight, because it was your first fight overseas? I think it was. I think it was. And, you know, there, there's a lot of big things that, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't fight for 11 months before that yeah. fight. I was fighting in a whole different place mm. around the whole, you know. Very far side from the, Kempton Park. <laughs> 100%. And uh, so it was different. I think I got stage fright. But how much did the win do for your confidence, especially with how you won the fight? Oh, man, it was, I was in tears. I was so emotional, man. That was the, other than my baby being born, <laughs> it was the greatest day of my life. Serious, man. I was just, I was just over the moon. Serious. Because, you know, like, I was dreaming about this since I was like a little 10-year-old boy, mm. man. To become a world, world champion, champion, you know. who, who, How many of a percentage of the fighters in the world become a world champion? And I'm sure at that stage it must have felt the sacrifices and everything uh, you left behind was worth it, right? Worth it, 100%. Okay, for those who are just joining us, we are speaking to DJ Krill. We do welcome your voice notes, 061-4104-107. Or you can call us on 011-714-2006. And then... You went to Mexico then, um, DJ. That one I didn't see, but it ended so quickly. Maybe that's why I didn't see. <laughs> how, how was that experience? And, and, and you also moved up a weight division. Yes, it was cool. That was the time I was trying to move up in the weight division. I wanted to fight a few guys. I wanted to move up, you know, because there was less money at uh, minimum weight, straw weight. Mm. And uh, it was time for me to move up. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, make a change to my career because... There was I, I challenged the guy at straw weight after I won the title. I wanted to unify against a guy in Thailand, the WBC. You know, and things went like that wouldn't happen. So uh, me and my team said, you know what, let's move up. You know, I am getting bigger. I'm getting older. Let's move up to junior flyweight. And so we did. And then uh, we wanted actually to get a shot, like one fight and then a shot off the back end with, uh, I think it was Alwan Soto. Mm. And then uh, that, so... The agent said to me that Mr. Sean Gibbons, he told me, let's go, you need to get a win and then you will get you a big fight. So I did. So that was my trip to uh, Mexico. We, because no promoter wanted me to fight, you know, in the US, no one wanted to promote a fight with me. So we went to Mexico to get a fight and I went there and it was actually also a very cool experience, man. Mm. Um, the trip over there, being in another place, you know, you need that kind of experience and that kind of, you know, the people against you. And so it's good. But I mean, the fight ended in a minute. The guy, listen, honestly, the guy wasn't good. We needed a fight. Um, and and it put, uh, triggered the fight for Felix Alvarado uh. moving forward. That's what it was. Because I needed to get into the rankings to fight. Aha, uh-huh, I see. Yeah. And 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 the 
Alvarado fight was a big one, obviously. It was postponed, though, the first time, right? Because of COVID? It was postponed like three times. A, a few I, times. A few times. It was supposed to happen in April yeah. uh, 20, 2019. No, 2020, sorry. And then it was supposed to happen in July. And then September. And uh, it, it was a few times mm. I got calls. No, it's going to maybe happen now. It's going to maybe happen. So it was it was postponed was a few times. You? Yeah, it was. I was The first time we were supposed to be on an undercard of Kovalev versus Sullivan Barrera. That mm. I remember, yeah. And then it got postponed from there. And then it was again postponed. And then we finally fought in February. And how do you look back at that fight? You were very confident ahead of the fight. Where, where did you think you could beat Alvarado? How? No, of course, I, I'm always confident and I believe in myself. I, ha- I always have believed in my ability. I still do think I'm a very good fighter. Yeah. Um, and I've always got that confidence. If you don't have that confidence, what are you doing in this sport? <laughs> you mm. have to be confident. Um, you know, I want to be great. I'm, I dare to be great. I want to fight the best out there. And Felix Alvarado was, uh, to me, I think he's the best in yeah. the division. But now, obviously... The boogeyman in that division, eh? Yeah, he's the boogeyman in the division, you know. And I, I really think he was, you know, he moved up now. But, um, so, I wanted that fight. And the way I thought, going back to a question, the way I... I think I could have beat him, was outskilled him, but then I ended up that night fighting his fight. Mm. Uh, and I think that was that was my mistake. That was my mistake. Got stuck on the ropes and, you know, mm. took a hammering. <laughs> yeah, no, you did, but you're yeah. very courageous there. Oh, uh, fought with a lot of heart. Let's uh, take your voice notes, 0614104107. We are speaking to DJ Krill. Okay, Mnyabe, and go see for that. I hope you can hear it closer. DJ, you heard that, eh? Yeah, what did he say? Tell me. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll let you respond. Call Tabiso now. 0891-104-207. Let's see if Krila understands this Sikosa. There was a question there from Mnyabe Krila. You, do you know why they call you Krila? What's up, Nwabe? Uh, <laughs> why Krilla, they call me Krilla? Krilla is a clan name. Eh? I think it's a play on words on your on your surname. It's a clan name, Ukrila. Krilla. So, yeah, can you answer the question then? So, um, yes, of course, I'm glad to be back. And I'm back because, you know, like I say, it was a problem to get fights. Yeah, I can get fights in my own country. And definitely, I'm going to become a world champion again. There's no doubt about it. I have that gold. I have that drive. I've got that hunger. Mm. I want to be great. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I'm taught, you know, I spoke it years ago that I would become a world champion and I'm speaking it right now. I will become a multi-division world champion. And um, yes, no, I think I can become a world champion in South Africa. You know, we, ah. I think, you know, Colin, um, Colin is going to make me, things happen for me. You know, he's a good trainer, he's a good manager. Um, I think Noma Ganjani is going to do good for me, you know, in my career. And he's going to make me get the, you know, going forward now, we're going to have a few fights. And then I think in about a year, I can get another world title shot, a legitimate big world title. And you haven't lost with Noma Ganjani, ne? No, not at all. Okay, and he joins us on the line, actually. Colin Nathan, viva Colin. Oh, oh, where is he now? Did he run away? Colin, viva. 
Yeah, Viva, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now loud and clear. Thanks for joining us. Sup, coach? <laughs> yeah, Viva, and Viva to you and the listeners and Bamuza and uh, and especially you, Toby. So it's been a while, man. Yes, no, but I had you in commentary in Poisons this past weekend. Nice show there. Why do you guys call That's him Bamuza? Why do they call you Bamuza, DJ? I've got some pop, man. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> okay, that I've got some pop it. for a small guy, bro. No, that explains. I never it. showed in my last fight, but I promise you, I do have it. <laughs> yeah. How happy are you to have him back, Colin? Because I know you speak highly of DJ. Yo, listen, DJ is one of uh, one of our products. You know, we took him when he really had. I mean, he's one of my favorite stories. He came to me, um, Rupert von Asperg, and said, "Colin, please do me a favor. Just look after this kid." And he came to me with a record of 2-1, and, and, and the second day he was shadow boxing in my gym, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> he was just, I'm not going to lie, he, his fundamentals and his basics were, he was just awful. And I thought, oh. <laughs> and it's always those success stories, you know what I mean? You mm. know, he had three amateur fights, he lost all three, and then he became champion of the world. So it's a very mm. interesting story, DJ. You know, he, um, he was unbeaten at the hotbox gym, we got him to the WBC ratings and into the IBF ratings, and he became WBC international champion. And then he had this dream of going to America. And obviously, mm. I'm not going to hold him back. I was still involved in his career. I was co-manager with another, with a former partner of myself and DJ in, in America. And the opportunity landed. He became, he got the opportunity. He was rated number five or six at, the, at that time in the IBF, and he got the crack. And he took advantage of the opportunity and he became champion of the world. So it's one of my great success stories with DJ. Mm. Now, to answer your question, obviously, I'm very happy. I mean, he's, he's one of our babies. You know, I've, I've known him since he was 13. And, you know, it's just a great story. You know, he, he went to America. He fulfilled his goal. He became champion of the world. And that's something nobody can take away from you. Mm. And obviously, now the objective is to become champion of the world again. He says 12 months, I'm saying 18 months, but I will get him back into contention to fight for a world title. I think the first step now, obviously, because, you know, he's saying he's got a lot of pop in his shots. Right now, he's looking a bit like the marshmallow man. So <laughs> once, he, once he starts losing those pounds, we can start taking a look at where he's going to be. We mm. might look at, you know, having a comeback bout at 112 in the flyweight division. But ideally, you know, naturally, we'd like to bring him down to junior fly. But that's going to take a bit of time. Oh, okay. And, and, has, and has he come back with more knowledge, a better fighter from what you've seen after his experience in the U.S.? I wouldn't say that. I think technically he's still the same. But I think his boxing IQ is obviously developed. And that is very important for boxing coach coaching a fighter. You know, if someone has got a good boxing IQ and can develop that. Obviously, he's had great sparring. He's sparring on Nonita Doné, and, mm. you know, he had some great, great coaching that side. I still see the same DJ, tough as nails. He's got big balls, big heart, always willing to help and adapt to anyone who's got a fight coming up. I mean, effectively, he was sparring with a light heavyweight yesterday, and that's no oh. BS. He's got, he's got, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we joke about it, but he's the kind of kid who will go, he'll spar four rounds, and he'll take a break, and you'll do another 25 rounds. He's that kind. He's got, the, he's got a very strong work ethic. Mm. And for me, like if you said to me, who's one of my most, most disciplined fighters I've ever worked with? Sorry, hardest training fighters I've ever worked with. DJ's name is going to be in the top five. Um, when it comes to like the worst eating habits for my fighters, <laughs> I'd say the top five have to be DJ as well. So that's what I'm saying. Right now, it's a process of him shedding off the weight slowly but surely. He's already lost six, seven kilograms since yeah. being back in South Africa. And now, obviously, we want to start taking more and more off. 
And with your experience, Colin, how important was the experience of going out and just getting out of your comfort zone and being amongst the best in the U.S., like you said? I think, like I said, I think the experience and obviously him becoming champion of the world was just, it was a, it was a lifelong dream, you know. So I think it's just obviously going to pay dividends. And like I'm saying to you, like technically I still see the same kid, but in terms of boxing generalship and boxing IQ, that's developed. And that, for me, going forward, specifically when coaching an athlete, is very crucial for them to be successful. DJ, what do you make of the plans that he has for you? No, Colin has got trust the right him. plan, and I trust him 150%. Mm. I really, really trust Colin. You know, me and Colin have always had a very good relationship. While I was even in America, we spoke very often. Um, he's really a guy who I trust, and uh, he's got good things going for me going forward in my career. And, you know, I put all my trust in Colin. Mm. He, you know, it comes down when you've got a trainer, and even he's my, you know, going forward. He is my family. Mm. You got you and your trainer always grow a bond. That is it, you know. So I I put that I put my trust and you know in in Colin. And mentally, I mean, where are you, DJ? Because it wouldn't have been easy to lose to Felix Alvarado. I think it was your first loss uh, since 2014. Like many people were saying. No, I'll be honest, man. I was I was in a very depressed state, um, you know. But when I had my baby, man, I was like, this is this is my time now. You know, I can I can do something. I can be great. I want to make a future for my son. You know, I want a legacy for my family, um, and I want a legacy for him. You know, I want him one day. Damn, your dad was fire, boy. Mm. <laughs> you know, so like um, he it just lit like a fire under my ass. Mm. Um, I wanna I wanna be great, and I wanna do good for my son. Yeah, and uh, let's go to the lines. We've got Teresa on the line. Good evening. Hi, there. Oh, what's up? It's my mom. Oh, it's your mother. <laughs> it's my mother. <laughs> it's a family affair then. Yeah. Um, good evening, DJ's mother. Thanks for calling us. And the grandfather. And the grandfather. And the grandfather is on the line. You guys must be proud that you produced a world champion. Oh, very, very, very proud. And we are so happy that he's back in South Africa. I know it's sad for him, but we know that he's going to get back in there and he's going to be the world champion again. And and was it easy to support him, Teresa, when he wanted to be a boxer? Uh, no, it wasn't that easy. <laughs> <laughs> it was nerve-wracking. <laughs> did you have your reservations about it? <laughs> Sorry? I'm saying, did you have your reservations about your son being yes, a boxer? Definitely. And how does the grandfather feel about him being a boxer? Um, okay, I'm proud of him, but I wanted him to be a rock and roll singer, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say he gets his boxing from you. Yeah, I, would, uh, I used to box. I would have thought he would say that. Eh? Does he get it from yeah, you, I grandfather? My young, days, <laughs> my young days, I was at John Missile Primary School and uh, uh, Jimmy O'Connor Hall, yeah. And mm. he just... <laughs> oh, wonderful. But I'm sure he's made you proud also. Yes, sir. Very... And how is he outside the ring? Because we know him as uh, just as a boxer DJ. Is he behaving outside the ring? <laughs> no, he is. He's a, he's a very good boy. Since small, he hasn't given us any problems. We're very, very proud. And I'm not just saying that. Um, he's never given us any problems as a youngster as well. Oh, wonderful. DJ, there's support from your family. I mean, that must be encouraging and motivating for you. 100%. My family have always been by my side and they, you know, they're amazing. I've got a very good family. They've always, they've always supported me. Um, and, you know, we, we're a fighting family, man. My whole, mm. all, my, my, all my uncles, my grandfather, everybody, everybody's fought. They know what it's about. And, you know, it's good to have had them on my side. 
Okay, wonderful. We're going to have to leave it here just because of time. Colin, thanks. We, we can't wait to see what plans you have uh, for DJ. Looking forward to bringing him back as a world champion, and I'm sure you can do it. Oh, he's gone. Oh, apologies. Uh, well, uh, if he's listening, Nomaganjani, yeah. I'll see you tomorrow at the gym. Okay, back <laughs> at the gym tomorrow, eh? No time to waste here. Okay, we're going to have to leave it here. It's 8 o'clock. We need to go to news. And Koketsu and the team is waiting in Cape Town. Thanks, DJ, for coming through. We just wanted to bring you on, highlight what you've done, and also wish you all the best going forward. Guys, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. DJ Krill, the champ, is going to get his belt back. Okay, let's leave it there for now.